sacred rituals, and a cosmic community to enchant your mystical life. This podcast feels like soulful conversations by the fire and under the desert stars, as if you are hanging with your best friends, talking about purpose, the cosmos, and the divine journey we are all on. My name is Anna Alic, and this is the Topanga Moon Podcast. We talk all things the universe, spirituality, beautiful design, fashion, and so much more. How's everyone doing? And how was your February? How was your Valentine's Day? Mine was very eventful. Um, I got engaged. Yes, you'll hear at the end of this podcast episode, I share a little bit about getting engaged on Valentine's Day, specifically what I wore. Um, But yeah, so that was really incredible. And I'll share more about that, I'm sure, in the coming podcast episodes. But today, I really want to keep this intro short and sweet. Um, Just leaning into the love vibes, you know, and we're just gonna keep it really brief because I have such an epic conversation for you, a really, really beautiful episode with my dear friend, Aneta Sofranova. She is the creator and designer behind her clothing brand, Nusha, and we talk all things brand evolution, uh, the meaning behind a name, and how she has woven her just heritage and where she came from into not only the ethos of how she creates her clothing brand, but also the fibers that she uses, specifically hemp, and the meaning that it has not just for sustainability and for um, just so much of what she wants to do with her brand, but also how it ties to her um, home country of Moldova. And we get into all things about really sustainability in fashion, um, a lot of history of the hemp industry, and why we're not using that fiber as much as we did at one time. We go into really toxic clothing and how much that is prevalent in our current fashion landscape and how that really needs to shift. And just she gives an amazing explanation and not only just like education based around um, how important our clothing is for our health, well-being, so many things, sustainability of our planet, everything really. And yeah, it's a really like jam-packed episode. We get into so many things. She also chats about her love of plant dyes and the intricate process of plant dyeing and so much more. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. I really think it's going to change the way that you see Uh, clothing and how you just create your outfits and the things that you want to invest in in the future. It's a really just, it's just such an awesome episode. And I always just love having her on the podcast. Um, She's just so knowledgeable and just 
so well-versed in this world. Her love of nature and plants really shines through, and I think you're going to really love this one. So let's get into today's podcast episode with Aneta Sofranova. Hello, and welcome back to Topanga Moon Podcast. I have Aneta Sofranova on the podcast with me, and we are actually in her studio right now, and I'm so excited because she is my most frequent podcast guest, (laughs) so I'm so happy to have her back talking about the evolution of her brand, and we're going to go into a more in-depth conversation around sustainability fashion, and really the evolution of fabrics, how that relates to our health, our well-being, and where we are right now in the fashion industry when it comes to all of that. We're going to get into so much today. I'm just so excited to be with her. It's really just our hangout. We're just hanging out (laughs) in our studio for inspiration and catching up as we always do. Of course, we're good friends, and I'm just so grateful that she's back on the podcast with me, my most popular guest. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Okay, so let's get into it. The last time you were here, I'm not even sure if we talked about um, specifically your brand. I know that we were talking about sustainability and spirituality, which, of course, is still a huge part of the fashion industry. I mean, everything is connected. And this time, I really want to know more about the evolution of your brand because it's gone through some evolution at this point. And there's so much meaning and there's so much, um, so many changes that I think that were really pivotal to your brand and where you want to take your brand in the future. So I'd love to get into what was the inspiration behind the pivot? What was the inspiration behind the name change and really getting into the meaning behind it? Um, I know we both share that understanding and belief that names hold so much meaning and the words that we use are very meaningful and all of our interactions are meaningful in that way. And I know that that had a huge part in the next step and the new name for your brand. So let's get into it. How are you, babe? (laughs) Okay, so I think the last time uh, we even spoke about my brand, it wasn't even launched because this was uh, summer of 2019, the first time I came on. And so even on that episode, we didn't even, I didn't, release the name yet because the brand wasn't released so the original name was Immortel and I loved that name it is no longer called Immortel uh, but I'll get into that in a second but the meaning behind Immortel was you know it's a type of flower I love plants I've always had such a deep connection with plants and and plant herbal medicine and and just with growing things on the earth it's always I've always had a green thumb and I've I've always felt confident in identifying plants and learning about them. I've just taken a liking to plant knowledge. And 
um, I was really drawn to that name Immortelle and that plant itself because it has so many beautiful historical meanings and uses. Immortelle meaning uh, everlasting and they're a type of flower that grow in the Mediterranean along the coast in a very dry arid climate so they're very resilient to heat and they make a very powerful medicinal essential oil and uh, tinctures. It's really good at healing wounds, especially wounds that won't heal. That's what it's known for. So it's associated with uh, Chiron, actually, the, the, the wound that will not heal. So it's associated, yeah. So Immortel is used for wound healing, physically and spiritually speaking. Um, yeah, and it's just such a fascinating plant. And I think it really resonated for me and my brand because I wanted to create things that lasted a long time and, you know, and stood the test of time. And a lot of my design is influenced by vintage fashion because I love the way that it stands the test of time. And there are just pieces that just don't go out of style or they cycle back very often. And that's why there's such a huge vintage market because there's just styles that I don't think will ever really go out of style. Um, but then I ended up shifting the name. Um, Immortel also grows in Moldova. No? No. No, it doesn't. It oh. actually doesn't. Okay, so this is a really interesting part to it. Because Immortel grows in Croatia. I know. So, okay. Okay, great. I want to hear more about this. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so I guess part of... Part of that name evolution was, yes, I was connected to the plant for many reasons, but it didn't feel like it was deeply connected to my personal roots, even though it is east, it's in Eastern Europe, but it's not from my region. So I wanted to switch to a name that was easier to pronounce because <laughs> everybody was mispronouncing Immortel. Um, and even like branding aside, I would say one of the main things was I wanted it to have a deeper personal meaning for myself. So, um, my name, Anetta in like when you're, when I was younger, my parents would call me Anusha or Nusha. And it's kind of just like this cute endearing way of saying my name. And I wanted to use that because it kind of just, it has many meanings, obviously, but it, it, it connects me with my younger self. Mm-hmm. And my brand is kind of like my baby. And so, I don't know, it just has this like sweet, sentimental, you know, connection for me and, and kind of my heritage and where I come from and how my name is different and and just having something that was a little bit more meaningful. I really love that. And I also think that it well, it just makes me think of creating something for the dreamer that you were at a younger age and having that nickname be associated with the country that you're from. You grew up in well, you didn't grow up, but you were born in Moldova. So having that cultural connection and also knowing that a lot of the fabrics that you use for your brand is really essential for 
that region. So I would love to hear more about that aspect of it because I think that that kind of creates this like full circle of not only having this name that's connected to who you are and represents you on a personal level and and the younger version of you that has the, the dream of creating a fashion brand but also using the textiles and you know and we'll get into plant dyes later as well but like using all of the resources from the land that you're from to create this brand that does have that everlasting effect so I'd love to hear more about how specifically hemp is so meaningful to the area that you're from thanks for asking that question because I, lo- I love this part of my story um so I guess I should I should have introduced the brand and said what I do and what the brand is because people may not know so Nusha is a sustainably focused brand um my goal is to make non-toxic clothing um I lean towards mostly using hemp because it's such a powerful impressive plant and it's unlike any other plant out there really when you compare it to other plants it just it has so many end uses and is capable of so many different things and it has so many incredible strengths and it's just a versatile plant Um, so I really fixated on on uh, hemp because of those many properties Um, and when I started talking about it at home um, and you know telling my family what I what I was getting up to and how much I love hemp and how impressive it is and and that I want to focus on using it more and sourcing it and and whatnot um, my mom told me that my grandmother used to grow hemp and I had no idea and she would grow this hemp in her village in Moldova and it was actually quite a it was a very popular plant to grow back then and my mom has memories of the plants in her garden and her mom collecting the seeds and even making like hemp milk out of it to feed them wow. and they would eat the hemp hearts and she said that she remembers harvesting the plants with her mom and they would take it down to the river and the way that you would process this fibers you'd put it in the water in the river for the redding process it's called redding and essentially the water would kind of make the outer layer of the stalks rot and like break break down essentially and it would reveal the fiber in the middle of the stalk and then there was all these other processes where you have to kind of like um there's all these tools essentially you would soften the fiber and then you would brush it and then you would eventually spin it into a yarn and then you could weave it and my grandmother did that she would she would do the whole thing and she would make like dishcloths and things out of hemp which is wild I had no idea uh about any of this when I uh when I became fixated on this plant so part of me wonders like it was just in me (laughs) and I was destined to be sort somehow led back to this thing that's part of my heritage so yeah I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that part of it because I as you were telling the story about how your grandmother um, was growing hemp and processing it, creating it into fibers, it almost made me think, and this can get a little spiritual, uh, as I often do, but this connection of like 
a generational lineage and the things that we unconsciously pick up from our um, our lineage and our land and how that can be passed down and how those stories and memories and and I think that even weaves into the importance of creating goods that can last for generations and that we can continue to create and innovate with and almost like go back to like certain ways of how we used to um you know cultivate these these fabrics and all of that for generations in our future and i think that in a way it's like a part of your grandmother is so infused in your life and i think that that's such a beautiful legacy it's like you're just like destined to be creating this and that's why we go back to the importance of a name and having nusha it, it almost like represents that and then that kind of feeling and that energy can be transfused into the products that you use so i love that and i think that this is a great way to kind of segue into um, the importance of using these specific fibers. And I would love to get more into the, the history and because I know you know so much about this. And I think when we start to understand and uncover the history of how we create certain products and how essential it is really, because obviously we're in a culture that... Um, unfortunately is so like everything is fleeting everything is like you know we're not like conscious of our actions in terms of what it's gonna have what impact we have in for our future and there's so much waste in all of these things but there's a reason behind that and I think when we start to understand the history and why certain things why certain fabrics were even like used over others we start to understand how we got to this part of like overconsumption and and let's just say it capitalism which doesn't always have to be bad but there's this um it's a it's just amazing what you're doing because what you're doing has so much integrity in an industry that has lost a lot of its integrity so i'd love to hear more about like the history of hemp why is it not used anymore and yeah, just go into all of it. And I know you, I know you're going to get into it. Uh, yeah. So hemp has a very wild and interesting history. Um, it is one of the oldest cultivated crops known to man. It is the oldest textile known to man. China has been growing it for like 10,000 years and using it as a textile which is not like any other fabric out there. Um, And what ended up happening here, um, one thing I'll say is part of why America was so successful was because of hemp. And and you can take that... Like, we don't know this history. No, because it was erased for many reasons, or not not so much erased. Like we, there is, there is information out there. It's just not it's not popular information, and for a reason. So, I mean, even the word canvas, which is a type of 
uh, of a woven fabric that we all know is used in ship sails, in like tarps, like cotton tarps, in workwear and whatnot. The origin and the root of the word canvas comes from cannabis because the original canvas was made out of hemp because it is such a strong fiber. It is like 10 times stronger than cotton. And the reason why it's stronger is because the, the plant grows so tall. The plant that's the, the type of hemp um, that's grown for, for textile use is different from the one that they grow for, for food use or CBD use or whatever. Um, but the one for textile use, they like to grow these, they cultivated these plants to grow really tall. And what makes hemp so strong is there's a few reasons but one of the reasons is the fiber itself is very long unlike cotton cotton grows they look like little cotton balls that's how the flowers once the flowers are pollinated they make these little puff balls and they literally look like little cotton balls if you pull out one fiber of cotton it's so short meaning when you weave sorry when you actually spin all of these cotton tiny short staple fibers together it doesn't make for a strong thread where with hemp you can get these really long fibers and once they're spun into a rope or a thread or whatever it is super strong so it has like the tensile strength of comparable to copper which is really interesting so just to backtrack a little bit um what i was getting to about canvas is that the the ships that sailed to America, they used hemp canvas. Wow. All, all, it was a standard. All those ships back in the day were using hemp because it was much stronger than cotton. It's also way easier to grow hemp. So not only that, but in America, um, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, they all grew hemp. At one point, it was illegal to not grow hemp because it was part of the war effort. They needed the hemp to, to make rope and to make canvas and all the things that they needed for the military. And it was such a booming industry. Also, it's like military aside, there were so many end uses. And um, even uh, Henry Ford used hemp in some of his early models of cars where he was using like hemp fabrics or um, hemp bioplastics and he was experimenting with this like this is how long ago this technology was starting he even had like a soy bioplastic that he created and used which is crazy because we feel like that's new here yeah. now but it's it's a very old technology <laughs> Um, and what else can I tell you about hemp? I would love to know. I mean, that's incredible and fascinating. And I think that it, it's so cool to hear the history of it. And it's so cool to hear just like origin stories. I, I, I just love hearing about where does this all come from and why did it start? But what then made us stop using hemp to the extent that we really no longer use it in such a widespread way. So there were two big industries that did not like hemp. They saw it as a really big threat. One of those was the cotton industry, as we know, was very popular in America. 
Um, obviously hemp was a threat because it was easier to grow it was stronger etc obviously those two fabrics have different properties and different hand feels and you know like a cotton t-shirt is going to feel slightly different than a hemp t-shirt and um, there's different uses and honestly they blend we blend a lot of hemp fabrics with cotton Um, I have a lot of fabrics here that I use for Nusha that are uh, 55% hemp and 45% organic cotton. It's just a really nice blend. The hemp helps strengthen the organic cotton, but the cotton keeps it soft and whatnot. So yeah, um, cotton industry was not liking the competition. And then the other really big one was the oil industry. So the oil industry saw hemp as a huge threat because you could make biofuels, you could make bioplastics, you could make so many things with hemp that you would make out of petroleum-based products. And now, you know, it's 2024, 60% of our wardrobes are made out of petroleum products. People don't realize that polyester is made out of plastic. Nylon is plastic. We're wearing so much plastic now, and we're wondering why we have all these health and hormonal issues. They're endocrine disruptors. And that's why I'm on a mission to create non-toxic clothing, because we're literally wearing petroleum products on our bodies. Okay, so, okay, this is, <laughs> this is great, because it's all true, like truly so woven together and intricate. So what it sounds like is that um, whoever was controlling the oil industry at the time um, had a huge interest in making sure that that industry remained booming and continued to prosper. Um, so, of course, you want to eliminate the competition, which obviously it would be the, would it be like the superior, you know, superior and healthier option all around, but whoever's controlling the oil doesn't want us to have that as a secondary option so what better way to eliminate the competition than to demonize the hemp industry and you can go into this one I know you can (laughs) yeah so what ended up happening was they created this campaign called reefer madness which is so funny it's the funniest thing if you go and look it up on youtube I think it was, it was in the 50s, sometime in the 50s. It's this black, you can find it on YouTube, Reefer Madness. And it's essentially a campaign demonizing marijuana and hemp. They've somehow lumped hemp into this campaign and uh, made both marijuana and hemp illegal. Why would hemp be illegal? I honestly have, we still to this day have no idea because there are such low levels of THC, you couldn't possibly get high off of these things. I mean, and now knowing what we know about marijuana and it's now legal everywhere, you can kind of make your own conclusions on what reefer madness was about, but they were successful in taking hemp down. So what ended up happening was it became illegal to grow hemp in America, which is 
which is and Canada, I should say North America. It still was being grown in uh, Europe for a long time, but even in Moldova, it became illegal at some point during the USSR rule. Um, so I'm actually unsure of the status there now, but there are there are places in Europe that grow hemp and they're kind of bringing the industry back. Um, and China, who where hemp comes from, they still grow it and they've been growing it for tens of thousands of years. So what ended up happening in America, in the Americas, North America, was they just, you, you weren't allowed to grow it. It was illegal. And you could, there are parts, a lot of the popular areas that, that were growing it were kind of in the South. And uh, one of the bigger places that grew it was Kentucky. And they have, they have their own kind of breed and people were searching for the seeds and like the, the rogue plants in the ditches. And they were finding like rogue hemp plants still growing to this day, which is interesting. Um, but as we know now, it's been, it's been legalized since I believe 2018 in America and in Canada, we've been growing it. We've been allowed to grow it since, um, don't quote me on this. I think it was like 1998. So it's great we got a head start here, but a lot of the hemp that's cultivated here is for food and oil use. Like that's the end use. So it's a different type of plant. Um, but yeah, I'm very hopeful uh, for the future of America growing it because there's just there's a little more hope for textile production and there's this awesome company in California that has um, grown their own test crop uh, I think it was last no two years ago and it was so beyond successful that they actually beat a world record for the tallest hemp plant it was like something like 24 feet long they had several people holding it, it was so impressive I was just totally nerding out and loving this moment in history but um yeah it grows really well in that climate so there's hope there's hope for the future but um before I close this point out I, I want to circle back and say it it was so ridiculous that it was illegalized essentially uh because the one of the first American flags that was made was made out of hemp wow. and the constitution was written on hemp paper <laughs> and it was at one point illegal to not grow it because it was such a an amazing crop you know it had you could you could it's extremely nutritious food if you ever look at the nutritional profile of a hemp heart it is just off the charts there's just like so many minerals and nutrients and just these seeds they're very very powerful nutritious uh food source and you could feed a lot of people with not a lot and you know i think i think one of the major threats for the bigger industries was they didn't want people to grow their own fuel they didn't want people to grow their own fiber and make their own clothes they didn't want people to grow this extremely nutritious food and I think it was just a threat on so many of those bigger industries that they had to take it down. Yeah, I think this really brings us to an amazing point of where we are at now in the fashion industry. And and you did speak a little bit about this, but the toxins in our industry. And it's almost like these invisible toxins that we've just been normalized. We're used to it. 
we're seeing the repercussions in our health at this moment and there's still not a lot of connection and association but i think and i love that that's part of your mission and it all goes back to like you know your connection to the land and wanting to preserve nature and wanting to be connected to the healthiest way of being um but can you speak a little bit more about the toxins in our clothing how that's affecting us and how you are using this information to really like fuel your mission of healthy clothing yeah so one thing i'll start with is i also um really love learning about health food medicine lifestyle uh that's just been like a passion of mine and and when I was really deep into learning about different lifestyle practices and eating cleaner and, and, you know, I remember the first time becoming aware of like, oh, I'm using plastic food containers and I'm learning about endocrine disruptors and I'm learning about xenoestrogens, which are basically estrogen mimicking things that plastics do to us. Um, I remember, and this is a long time ago, like this is before... (laughs) It was, I mean, it's, I guess, still not very common knowledge, but I feel like I've been doing this forever. And then it kind of came full circle for me where I was like, what about the clothes that we wear every day? You know, there's, it's one thing about what we put inside of our bodies. And, and then I started noticing the trend of like, oh, we should, uh, you know, maybe be careful about the cosmetics we are using. So that's been being such a big topic um, and people are becoming more aware and clean beauty is like such a movement now and which is awesome I I love I love seeing these things happening and things are shifting Um, although I will say there's so much greenwashing and that's a whole other topic (laughs) Um, but but what I'm getting at is I I thought a lot about like yeah we like we put all these things in our bodies. Okay, great. Organic. I'm like eating organic. Great. I'm only using natural uh, skincare products. But then I'm like, we're, this is the one thing that we touch every single day. And it's, it's clothing and it's our bedding. Like we are never not in contact unless we're nudists, of course, but still, even then we're sitting on stuff, right? <laughs> so I'm just like, wait, we should care about what we're wearing in our clothing too and you know I've worked for conventional fast fashion companies and just regular fashion brands and so many of those I remember opening packages at work of of samples getting samples in and they just smelled like chemicals you could smell the chemical dyes you could smell the like plastic and the polyester and it was just so off-putting and I can't even imagine what those factories smelled like but yeah I just I had this kind of moment of awareness around around the fact that we're we're always going to be in contact with clothing and I started to wonder what could that be doing to my health what could that be doing to the health of the environment so obviously that led me down this path um but really my my first interest was personal health and just eating right eating for longevity and just becoming very interested in that and then 
it kind of, you know, it was, it was almost like a, I had to be conscious of like where, where I wasn't being consistent with that in my, in my life. And, um, yeah, I think, I think we're having, hopefully, I mean, maybe I'm in my own little bubble, but I feel like it's becoming more of a discussion, uh, these days. Um, but yeah, we're wearing a lot of plastic and I want to keep using that word because that's, that's exactly what polyester is. That's exactly what nylon is. They're just different derivatives of petrochemicals. So and that's oil and that's what gas is made out of and I don't know about you but I don't want to wear that on my body and and the other point is the other thing that people don't know is a lot of fabric dyes are made out of petrochemicals they're super toxic and it's really sad because a lot of these dye houses are in third world countries that produce our clothing and they don't have water treatment plants. They don't have these sophisticated um, factories and processing plants that keep that dirty water out of their streams. You can go to some of these towns and villages and their rivers are running with these colors straight out of the factory. And a lot of the people that live in these communities are very sick. There's so much cancers. There's so much, there's like tumors on, on kids and developmental issues and birth defects and just like the most sickening thing you could imagine. And for what, you know, for the sake of fashion, it's, it's so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really sensitive topic. Um, and I feel like a lot of people turn a blind eye and they don't care because, oh, this t-shirt's five bucks. Why do you think it's $5? You know, why do you think it's $10? Um, it's, yeah, they do it because it's cheap. And that's why they use these petrochemicals. It's, it's the cheapest way to make these fabrics. Polyester is not a performance fabric. There's no good thing other than, sure, it can wick the moisture off of your body and performance and athletic stuff. And yeah, it might have better elasticity, but it could never outperform the things that certain plants can grow, like hemp. They, hemp has these beautiful thermoregulating properties and, you know, there's different types of cotton, like cotton has its own strengths too. Um, although I don't think they're as impressive as hemp, but, you know, there's, there's beautiful things built into nature that we, it's already perfect. And I feel that one of the reasons why we stepped away from it was it it's cheaper to make stuff out of petroleum unfortunately and it's such a big industry and and we all know that <laughs> there was just so much that um so much important information that you just shared and um i think that it's essential to have these conversations to start to shift the perspective of understanding where our clothing comes from the toxicity we all have a certain load that we can only bear when it comes to toxins. And we're seeing this, we're being bombarded with toxins and every, like everywhere we go and clothing is a big part of that. And it's something that I think a lot of people don't think about. And then when you also shared about, you know, the, the plant, the, the dyes, sorry, not the plant dyes, but the, 
the dyes that are being used that are also toxic and how that is getting into the waterways and uh, really creating a devastation for our planet on a huge scale. So there really is no pluses. I mean, the only thing is like getting cheap clothing to the masses. And we have this, you know, problem in our culture right now where having a new outfit every day is like the cool thing to do. And we have this understanding of like just wanting more, wanting new looks, wanting things for cheaper. And there is a cost to that. There is a cost to this this fashion, and you really beautifully pinpointed all of those things. And I would love to hear more about your use of plant dyes because I think that it's so beautiful to have a understanding of this, the process and the natural like alchemy that you create with these plant dyes. And I think the more that we can focus on the on the positive and what we can create and the beauty that we can create through nature the more that people will see the value in that um you know we really do need to shift to these natural ways of being and creating and creating art and we're both you know artists and and really like sticking with our integrity being the examples for other people and also sharing our art in a way that, you know, you're creating clothing that is beautiful with these beautiful natural um, plant dyes that people want to wear. And it's just such an exciting thing that you're you're creating and you're developing. So I'd love to hear more about the plant dyes. And also, um, like, your hope for how we can shift these things, how we can shift into wearing healthier clothing for ourselves and for the planet okay so let's start with the plant dyes (laughs) i love plant dyes (laughs) (laughs) well i have a love-hate relationship and i'll explain why so the thing about plant dyes is they are very difficult to control so what i mean by that is For example, you can dye fabric with marigold flowers. That happens to be a really great dye um, for several reasons. And why I say it's difficult is you can't control the shade every time because that depends on where the flower was grown, what the region, the, the growing season, the soil, the water, the pH. So many things can change the color of this plant, right? So we we use the petals, the orange petals. It makes this beautiful color, kind of like a mustardy, yellowy color. And what's problematic for that on a grander scale in fashion production when you're trying to make a a big run of the same thing is you're going to have completely different colored dye lots. So you can't control the color every time. So you're not going to have a consistent color every time you use marigold. And and it's not just marigold, all the other plants, right? You know, there's, there's um, you can use tree barks, there's flowers, there's even minerals, there's even insects that create color, which is so fascinating. Um, and there's bushes, there's leaves, there's roots mm-hmm. of plants that hold really excellent dyes. And 
yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest barriers I would say is there the dyes are difficult to control in color for consistency, which can be problematic depending on what you're trying to create and what the customer wants. If somebody's buying something online, they want it to be exactly the same color as what they saw in the pictures. So, of course, I understand that, but I think obviously there's disclaimers like these are naturally dyed and the colors may vary you know, might be different from your screen etc but um the other thing is it's natural dyeing fabric and doing it the right way um consists of many complicated steps but these are steps that people have been using for thousands of years why did we step away from this? Because it's harder. Again, it's harder and it's, it's more expensive. And at the end of the day, it's, for me, I feel like the more we step away from what's harder or more expensive or more labor intensive and more time consuming, the less we're going to respect that article of clothing. If you know that you know say you have one of my indigo dyed chore jackets <laughs> if you know that this like beautiful hemp plant was grown in the earth which mind you it absorbs like four times more carbon than trees it one growing season takes about four months it is such an excellent soil remediator it can pull toxins pesticides, metals, and all this garbage out of soil and make the soil clean and healthy again. It has really deep tap roots, which is so good for soil because then it helps break it up and it helps aerate the soil. It helps water penetrate deeper into the ground. There's so many things. So the jacket that you're wearing, it helped do all of those things, which is so cool because then you get to like wear this thing that made the environment better. Um, and then say you get the, the indigo dyed one and those plants grew in the ground and then indigo's the most fascinating dye of them all because it, it requires the most alchemy and such an interesting preparation and there's oxidization and, and there's like, there's really, it's like you're like, you have to be this mad scientist to, <laughs> to learn how to use all of these dyes. But indigo is really, really interesting because you dip it, well, you have to prepare the vat in a very specific way. And you have to get all the oxygen out and you use these different ingredients and then the water looks like this murky kind of bright yellowy green and you dip the fabric in and you let it sit and these these indigo molecules will like come and stick to the fabric because you've prepared it a certain way and then when you pull it out of the water it's green and then right before your eyes as the air is hitting the oxygen is hitting this molecule it starts to turn blue mm. it is so cool Anyways, and, and you, if you say you own this piece and you're just, you think about what it took to, to become that piece, you're going to treat it so differently than something that you've like picked up on discount at a fast fashion store. I won't use any names, but you know, I think just knowing the process and having respect and, and having the knowledge around how certain things are created, I think is how we can shift um, consumerism. 
You know, I think I think also I, I know hemp needs really good PR because mm-hmm. there is there's just too many stigmas and, and the way that it's been marketed and, and you know, Reefer Madness did not do any justice to this beautiful, amazing plant. And, you know, we pop culture associates it with, you know, stoners and hippies and like those hemp necklaces and like just shitty, <laughs> ugly <laughs> You know, just know you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know that like really granola stuff oh, that nobody wants to wear. Although, I mean, wear what you want to wear. Obviously, no judgment, but like that's that's not all hemp is. There's you, there's so many other beautiful things made out of hemp, and there's other designers doing cool things with hemp, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm I'm. It's amazing that we can have this conversation, and I hope a lot of people listen to this because I would love to shift the perspective on hemp and and slow fashion and what it takes to create a garment. That could be a whole other podcast of like what it actually takes to to make a piece of clothing that you've sketched on a piece of paper. People do not understand what goes behind the scenes. Um, you know, there's, uh, do I even get started? <laughs> there's, there's pattern drafting, there's sampling, there's sewing. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot, a lot of work. And, um, one last thing I'll say on that topic is don't forget that even with fast fashion, everything is handmade. Robots are not making those clothes. So when you think you're buying like a cheap t-shirt, the person that's paying for that low cost is the person that made it because that is the only place you can cut costs is in the labor so just think about that next time you pick up that really cheap item and think about what it's first of all what's it made out of and who made it and what do you think they got paid to do that work that was uh, that was amazing and I'm just I'm always like so amazed at your wealth of knowledge and how passionate you are about it and how because I I really think that this is like your purpose here you're you're a storyteller for hemp you are bringing it back from the roots that you came from from the stories that you heard about your family and your grandmother working with this plant and you're giving it a new life you're giving it a new story and I think that the way that we shift culture and shift everything is through storytelling and how we share these experiences share these stories and start to shift the tides on you know how we purchase items and use them and wear them in our daily lives and I just love how you're talking about like you know your chore code and all of the things that go into creating it and knowing that it not only is like helping the planet the act the plant itself and how it was grown but also the the love and intention and the the like skill and the time that it takes to create that it's really just like wearing art and wearing like nature's art and that's so much more special than the like fast fashion that we can just like easily get that just as quickly we lose interest in and really we have to get back to this like creating legacy brands that you want to pass down to 
your family and once again withstand the test of time and can be used for generations so i think that's really beautiful um before we end our gorgeous conversation which i've loved so much i i mean we can just truly go on forever so we um i need to stop it at some point but i think this was really it was a really important conversation to have to just introduce people to this like really incredible plant in a way that they may not have heard before a new story a new life um i want to know what's your favorite plant dye and why oh oh that's tough well it depends on the end use (laughs) no i'm gonna say i gotta say it's indigo like i was saying it was it's such a it's a mysterious plant it's it looks like a green leafy bush it is the most unassuming little thing um I don't know how they discovered how they discovered it, but it was very popular in Japan and India. They are the masters of indigo. And there are parts of Europe that were using it and they were using um, a very similar plant that is related to indigo called woad. And there are even parts of it's so cool historically as a plant so fascinating a lot of a lot of the plant dyes have very interesting historical um stories really um but indigo and woad you can see um i remember reading this thing about how in france there's there are different regions where they paint their shutters blue and it's like a baby blue it's using woad so they made the paint using that woad and it's like just in the shutters and it's this beautiful historical thing and I don't know if people would ever realize that that's made out of like a little green leafy plant and and I'm not I'm not sure how they um discovered the use but I I experimented with it and I actually grew indigo in my garden last year and or was it the year before both years (laughs) and um you can rip a leaf off and rub it in your palm and you can watch it oxidize into blue. It kind of, it, it comes out greenish and then you let it sit on your hand and as the oxygen hits the molecule, it turns blue, it oxidizes blue. It's really beautiful. But to, in order to, to keep that, that color bound to a fabric, you have to go through this, this wild alchemy alchemy of of creating this vat that is very um it there's no oxygen you basically have to take the oxygen out of the vat and there's different techniques on on how to do that and there's there's chemical ways of doing it and there are very natural ways of doing it i mean i've tried i've tried all the different versions and there's even a version where you use very ripe bananas in the vat you you use because they have a lot of fructose and the fructose helps prepare the vat and and make it a strong vat and there's different oh it's so cool it's it's honestly it's just like I'm like a little nerdy scientist with it and that's I think what was so fascinating about plant dyes too is they have these historical um uses and I love history and I love culture and I love I love botany and I love ethnobotany it's that's the the relationship of of uh people and plants 
and I've read a lot of nerdy books about it. Um, but I just remembered something. I found a book many years ago at the thrift store when I was in university and it was called Color. I don't know why I've never thought of this. It's called Color and I picked it up and I read it and it was easily one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. And the author talks about, it's called Color Travels Through the Paint Box. But a lot of these natural colors are also used in natural dyes. And that's where I learned a lot of things about these. I, I should read it again because it's been like, I don't know, at least 15 years. Um, but yeah, that's the first time I learned about indigo. And yeah, I would say in the longest answer possible, <laughs> ind I would choose indigo. Okay, I love that. I also... Um... I love the part you were talking about in France. They used it for the shutters. And I, I, I know that color so well, that very like pale blue. And I love it so much. I love the whole like French farmhouse style. And that seems to be everywhere. And I'm now I'm just curious as to like why that was used so much. Maybe it was just like plentiful over there. Um, there's also they would, I don't know if this is similar, but this like slate blue color that in like you know farmhouses they would paint or like um victorian houses they would paint on the porch on the ceiling and it was like always meant to kind of like um ward off spirits or whatever is one of the meanings behind it well what's interesting about that is there are even there are dyes and colors that were used to repel insects so that was also part of it yeah, so there's there's properties in these plants, obviously, that can repel um, insects, and and that also makes me think of like, think of all the other. Oh, we didn't even get into the vibration of the frequency of certain fibers and and plant dyes, which is I've seen. I don't think anyone studied the frequency of different plant dyes. I'm sure maybe they've studied the frequency of plants, but as you know, like every living thing has a frequency. We all have like ele electricity going through our bodies. Plants have that. Insects have that. Every living thing. And another thing I'll say really quickly is hemp is like very high vibrational when they, when you test the frequency of the fiber. It's one of the best uh, alongside linen very has a very healing frequency and vibration so cool um cotton is okay and then obviously as you get down to the synthetics the petrochemical based fabrics they're just the worst <laughs> so that's another another quick like food for thought okay that's so cool and oh my gosh now i'm thinking about the frequency of clothing and how that affects our just like energetic frequency and aura as we walk through the life and then also how that affects our manifestation properties and our connection to the world around us and you think about kundalini and them wearing white all the time as this like energetic frequency of yeah so that's incredible so if you're thinking about it too not only is your clothing so essential to be healthy for your body but it holds a vibrational frequency that affects your aura and affects like how you create and how you move through the world, how other people experience you. Like there's so many things. And that's why 
we are not separate from anything. We are all so intricately connected. The universe is so smart. Like the universe is like always blows my mind. And that's why I'm a, I love doing this podcast because it's all about nerding out about how crazy and amazing the universe is and how we were given everything that we need and we have it all within our natural world. And when we use plants, when we use fabrics like this in the right ways, we're also helping the planet and it's the way that the planet wants us to live. It helps our bodies, it helps each other, and it helps the planet. And that is so incredible. Oh my gosh, I'm just now geeking out over with you. You're brilliant. You're amazing. I mean, I love you, obviously, but... Um, this has been so beautiful and I know that we're going to have more conversations and I just think that you just know so much about this world and you're creating this like really beautiful story around the use of hemp and, and the dedication you have to your own clothing and, and, and infusing that into the work that you do is incredible. Where can people find you? What can people look forward to with your work? Um, tell me everything that you have coming up and what are you just like most excited for in the um, in the coming months? Um, thank you for that beautiful outro. <laughs> it's such an honor being here. And thank you for creating a space where we can have these conversations because I think it's just so important. Um, and I hope anyone listening is has something that they can take away from this and, and have a, a different view on what they're in contact with every single day it's almost like as important as our air because you know if you're not wearing it you're sleeping on it or sitting on it or just you're always touching fabrics so just spend like one afternoon thinking about how much stuff you're touching and what what that can how that can affect you um but anyways you can find me at uh hello nusha.com that's h-e-l-l-o-n-u-s-h-a.com um and my instagram handle is hello.nusha and that's basically it um what am i excited for in the coming months i mean i have some styles that i've been sitting on for a long time that i'm i'm getting into production with right now and yes i have been I don't know what has taken me so long I've made myself these samples and I've been wearing them for months I think I like to wear test my stuff for a really long time because I'm a perfectionist and so I take a really long time to release things and I really shouldn't because I just I end up liking what I make and then (laughs) anyways um I've worked on some underwear and that's a I mean based on all of the information that I expressed today um you can you can imagine why having really high quality non-toxic underwear is probably maybe the most important spot where you can switch your fabrics and uh maybe invest first obviously um you know we're putting that fabric on our most sensitive areas and those areas you know like your crotch is think of just hormone health and reproductive health and what underwear you're choosing to put on those organs right and on the breasts and all of that um yeah obviously nobody's perfect I have I have 
tons of vintage stuff that is obviously not natural fabrics. Uh, that's not the goal here. It's just uh, just trying to help educate people and and for future purchases and and you know I think um, underwear would be a great place to start. But yes, I'm soon <laughs> releasing underwear and. Uh, I will be offering them with plant dyes as well, which is really exciting. I'm so excited for that. Can I have some tonight? <laughs> I would love a pair because now I, you got me thinking and I'm like, oh, need to switch out my underwear. Um, this has been so incredible. I love you. I mean, obviously, like, you know, you know you know <laughs> um but this has been so great and i'm so excited for everyone to just learn more about you and definitely go check out nusha so that's hello nusha.com incredible stuff i mean i have i have a lot of pieces love your cropped hoodie it's so cute it goes with everything um i wore it on the did i wear it underneath my yeah I wore underneath my coat when I got engaged so I love it (laughs) it's special see these pieces are for special moments um when I went horseback riding I'll obviously share that information more (laughs) I'll I'll share the story but when I went horseback riding I needed a little cropped hoodie and that one was perfect so yeah check out her stuff it's amazing she's gonna change the world with fashion and I love it Um, This has been amazing and beautiful, and uh, yeah, can't wait for next time. Bye. Thanks for having me. Wear plants, not plastic.